You are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 225. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and you should too. Well, hello everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to real people. That's you, my friend. Build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a fiduciary, a fee-only certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor. And today's episode is about the financial power of attorney. I know, sounds boring, right? But trust me, you're going to want to listen to this because it's going to open your eyes whether you have a financial power of attorney or not or don't even know what one is. And secondly, I'm going to make this short and sweet so I don't draw it out talking about estate planning documents because I know they can get boring. But before we get to the topic of the day, here's what I find out about people. My kids, some of my friends, some of my clients, some of my coworkers. list goes on. Here's what I find out. People are either too young to do stuff, like care about the future or their career, or they're too busy, like going to see an aging grandparent or parent at a nursing home or at their house, or people think things are too expensive, like taking a trip when they actually maybe could afford it. Too young, too busy, too expensive. Things really start getting dangerous when we combine the three together. Young people, and some older people to be honest with you, have not even started investing for retirement yet. Why? Because they feel like they're too young. They don't need to do that yet. They're too busy. They don't have time. Or it's too expensive. Meaning, I already am spending everything that I'm making, and I can't take an extra 6% out of my paycheck to go into my 401k. That's just too expensive. Another gotcha is buying insurance. Some people say, well, I'm too young to buy life insurance, or I'm too busy to fill out that application, or it's too expensive to buy life insurance. The same is said for hiring a financial planner. All three of these are big gotchas. People think they're too busy, too young, and it's too expensive. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. The financial power of attorney. And I purposely left out estate planning documents in my intro because that one is the biggest gotcha that's out there right now because so many people do not have any financial or any estate planning documents. Why? Because they think they're too young. They don't need estate planning documents yet. That's for old people. They think they're too busy. I don't have time to go to an attorney or fill out something online. Or they think it's too expensive. Man, I heard that a trust can cost two, three, eight thousand dollars $8,000 plus. So guess what? They don't do 
anything. And I'm not here to give you a lecture about estate planning documents, but I do want to talk about one estate planning document that is extremely important, the financial power of attorney. I'm going to explain what that is in a second, but before I do, I want you to know that I am not an attorney. This is not legal advice. I'm going to simply tell you what one is in case you don't know what a financial power of attorney is. And then I want you to answer four questions. Four questions when you go review your financial power of attorney or four questions before you go get a financial power of attorney. You're going to ask yourself who, what, when, and why. Those are the questions that we're going to answer today. But before we answer those four questions... Let's just talk about a financial power of attorney. What is it? Well, it's a legal document where you specify individuals to act on your behalf to perform financial matters of your financial life when you become incapacitated. This is not a document that goes into effect after you die. A financial power of attorney might go into an effect as soon as you sign the document, but they're always done when you die. Financial power of attorney is no longer good. So for example, I have a financial power of attorney. And like most people, I'm listing my wife as the person in charge to take over my financial matters in case I become incapacitated. And you might say, well, she can take care of all your financial matters anyway. She's your spouse. Well, not always. There might be a vehicle that's just in my name, a bank account. The list goes on and on. And what if my wife is no longer around when I become incapacitated? Then I have a second in charge of my taking care of my financial matters. It's so important to have a financial power of attorney. Because if you become incapacitated, you still got to pay your bills. You still might have rent to pay, a house payment, an electric bill. Who's going to get into those accounts? Write the check. Go to your bank account. Who? Someone needs to do it. Because life goes on, especially financially. People want their money. And if you don't have a financial power of attorney and you become incapacitated, guess who's going to decide to take care of your financial matters, the court. Investments might need to be made. You might own stocks, bonds, real estate, whole life insurance, annuities. The list goes on and on. Someone needs to take care of your financial matters when you become incapacitated. Who is it going to be? That's always the tough question to answer. Who is going to? Spouse is easy, but what if you're not married? And for one of you, the spouse isn't going to be around when you become incapacitated, maybe. Unless you die real quick. Let's hope that doesn't happen. So that's what a financial power of attorney is. But let's pretend for a second you know what a financial power of attorney is. And you either have one or you need to get one. Maybe after listening to this show, you need to get one. Before you get one, and before you review 
your financial power of attorney if you have one. By the way, it's a simple document. It's two or three pages long in most financial power of attorneys that I've seen. But before you go get it and before you go review it, you need to answer four super important questions. Who, what, when, and why? The first we've already talked about, the who. Who are you going to name as your financial power of attorney? Who can you trust besides your spouse as the number one? Who else is out there? A sibling? A friend? An aunt? An uncle? A niece? A nephew? Who? You need to put a lot of thought into who is your financial power of attorney. These are the people that are going to take care of your financial matters. You better trust who you put down taking care of your financial matters. Who is so important. And if you have your financial power of attorney, I want you to review the document and see who it is. You might not even remember. But once we know who it is, then we need to answer the question, what? And by what, I mean What financial powers are you giving this individual or individuals? Are you giving them financial powers for everything or just some things? Can you trust this person to make trades in your retirement account? Can you trust this person to write out checks? Can you trust this person to change beneficiaries on your IRA? Or change the beneficiaries within a revocable trust? Are we giving financial powers to collect rents if you have real estate? Or to sell jewelry? Or to sell your car? You got to think about the what. Now, when you go see an attorney, they're going to give you a list of what is standard and then what is not standard. And maybe you give the financial power of attorney to the standard stuff and not the non-standard. Or maybe you trust this person so much that you give them financial power of attorneys for everything financially within your life. But be careful. The beneficiaries you have listed may no longer be the beneficiaries if you give a person a right to change them. Very important to think about. What powers are you going to give this individual or individuals? And if you already have that financial power of attorney done, I want you to look. What powers are granted within this power of attorney should you become incapacitated? Because I'll give you a little clue here. (laughs) I have had a financial power of attorney for many, many, many years. But I never took the time to actually read. Like I knew who the who was, but I didn't know the what. I didn't know what financial powers I was actually giving the who. Take a look. It's so important. And once we have the who down and the what down, the next question you need to answer is the when. When are you granting these powers? Generally, you're granting these powers in two different situations. One, the moment you become incapacitated. Now this individual has power of attorney. Sounds pretty simple, right? But what if you become incapacitated 
And now the power of attorney that you have listed to help in your financial matters now has to prove to the courts that you're actually incapacitated. Like how incapacitated do you need to be? Is it spelled out in the financial power of attorney? Maybe you're kind of incapacitated, but only somewhat. You see, being incapacitated can be a bit of a gray area. You might have all your wits about you one minute, but not the next. But then you do the next. So some people grant the powers now so that they don't have to go through trying to prove an individual being incapacitated. So then this person that the who that you trust with your world on the powers, on the what, the powers that you gave them, they can act right away. But you really got to trust the people you have listed as your financial power of attorneys. When is a super important question that you need to ask yourself. Are you willing to grant those powers now? Or is that a little bit getting a little too close to your stuff, to your financial stuff? Or maybe you don't even know. Maybe you have a financial power of attorney, you have the document, but you don't know when those powers are granted. And the last question that you need to ask yourself before you get the document or when you're reviewing the document is the why. Why did you choose the person or persons that you did? What was the reason? Some people might list their spouse as the number one, but if the spouse is not around, they may not want to hurt anybody's feelings. So you might list, if you have two siblings, both siblings as the power of attorneys. A lot of people do this. Is this a smart thing to do? Well, maybe it is. But what if both of these individuals have to sign things every single time something happens? What if both signatures need to be on on the Verizon bill and the rent check? And if you're looking to make a trade, both people need to sign. That doesn't sound very efficient. All because you weren't trying to hurt any feelings. Why? Why did you name the people? Are they responsible with money? Are they even responsible with money? Maybe they are, and that's great. Maybe they're really good at paying the bills, and that's awesome. But do they know anything about investing? Do they know anything about the real estate that you might own? Why? Why did you choose the people that you did? And you might be saying to yourself right now, well, shoot, I don't know anybody that is responsible enough to pay the bills, but still knows something about investments or about the real estate that I own. And that's why I'm here to tell you, it is okay to have multiple power of attorneys. You might have one person to handle the financial affairs of keeping your financial life going by paying the bills. You might have another financial power of attorney and a total different person to take care of the investments that you might have. You might have somebody completely separate to take care of the real estate. Because is there really one person that you can count on for all of it? This is a big job. I don't think we need to be worried about hurting feelings when we're doing our financial power of attorney. We want to make things as easy as possible for the powers that we grant to the who's. And we want to make sure that they're experts in the powers that you're granting. 
people don't get their financial power of attorney document completed because they feel as though they're too young, too busy, and it's too expensive. But I'm here to tell you, as a family steward, the power of attorney for financial is so important. Now, is it more important than your healthcare proxy, your will, your trust? I'm not saying that at all. This episode is about the financial power of attorney though. And it is mandatory for every financial steward to have this document in place. But do not get it put in place until you've answered the questions, who, who is going to be your financial power of attorney? What, what powers are you gonna grant them? When, when do these powers go into effect? And finally, why? Why did you choose this individual or individuals? And if you can confidently answer all four of those questions and maybe end up with multiple power of attorneys, you are ahead of the game over just about everyone else living on this great earth. There's many people that have a financial power of attorney, but it may have been in place for years and years. They don't even know who's listed. They certainly don't know what powers they have granted. They don't know when those powers go into effect and they don't know why they chose the people that they chose. And finally, once you have it all set, it is ultimately important for you to review it every two, three, four, or five years because just because someone might be good at being the financial power of attorney today doesn't mean that they will be next year. What if they are incapacitated themselves? What if you thought there were someone who they really aren't? So important, family steward, let's get this part of our financial life in place. As a family steward, it is a must. We are not too young, we are not too busy, and it is not too expensive. I hope everyone has an awesome week, and I will see you on the flip side. Bye-bye. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal of Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.